Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offerings. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I do not know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your blood, <laughs> your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now, now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield the crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is much more than I can bear. Today, you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. Well, I was 13 or 14 years old. <laughs> Living in Louisiana in the middle of a very rural area, swamps behind our home. And I'll never forget, I was 13 or 14. I'm in the, in the den watching television. It was on a Sunday afternoon. I'm watching a football game. I just really, really gotten obsessed with watching football at that point. I, I love Sunday afternoons. And I see my youngest brother, Charlie, run out the door. I'm not really paying much attention. He does things like that. He's nine years old or so. And uh, a few minutes later, my mom comes in and goes, where's Charlie? I go, I don't know. I have no idea. She goes, I think he might be hurt. I go, well, why is he hurt, Mom? Because he set the bathroom on fire. I go, I, I think he's fine. I think he just ran out. He's just probably trying to hide or something. No, we, we need to go find him. I go, Mommy, he's fine. Seriously. So I'm just still, you know, because I'm a 14-year-old punk, I'm just watching the game. Next thing I know, my dad comes in. Where's your brother? Have you seen your brother? I, go, I, I know he ran out there somewhere. He goes, he set the bathroom on fire. <laughs> we need to go find out if he's hurt. And so apparently, Charlie, we had 
you know, in our house, and it was my parents' bathroom, they had one of those electric heaters that was built in the wall, and the coils would light up, and uh, he was sticking toilet paper in that thing. <laughs> and some caught on fire, and some of it fell on the rug, and then he grabbed something, grabbed the Lysol, and he sprayed it on there. <laughs> and, you, and the rest of us, the rug's gone, you know. So there's burn marks all over. And my dad said, we need to get up and go find your brother. Daddy, he's fine. Get up. We're going to go find your brother. So here I am, you know, I'm kind of the cane. I can leave this game to go find this knucklehead. So I'm looking around, trying to find Charlie. Next thing I know, you know, they're calling neighbors. You've got to realize our nearest neighbor was about 500 yards away. That was really our only neighbor. We could see him. It was our cousins across the field. And then everybody else, you know, within a mile, there were about 10 of us. So he called all those people in. Next thing I know, cousins start showing up. And I'm thinking, he is getting way too much attention for this. And, uh, and so I'm out there look, running around the woods, Charlie, Charlie. I go, he's hiding. I'm, hitting, I'm telling you, I, he's fine. Telling my parents, telling my mom, she's starting to wig out a little bit, starting to get a little bit dark. Finally, he comes walking up the road. You know, my mom runs down and gives him a hug. I'm truly the elder brother at this point. I'm thinking, he ought to be in big trouble. I hope they beat him. I'm to miss my whole game out here wandering in the woods and, you know. They didn't even punish him. I remember I was so mad because I'm an elder brother. I'm Cain. Many of you are too. As we look at this story together, I think that the question is, are you a Cain or Abel? And we all qualify. We all qualify often as the elder brother who's done what's right. And God hadn't met our expectations, and he's blessed some other people who certainly don't deserve it. How aggravating is that? It's that spirit of Cain welling up inside of us. Uh, There was a movie that came out in the mid-'80s that I really liked called Amadeus. Maybe some of you remember that. It was about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, one of the greatest composers to ever live. Matter of fact, as a child, as a five-year-old, he was already composing great works of music and as he developed he became stronger and better and better and uh, the movie kind of gives this this account of this man probably more of a story uh, about this man whose name was Antonio Salieri and Salieri had made this commitment to the Lord he said God if you will but bless me with the musical talent to be great I will give you the praise. As a matter of fact, I will make this commitment. If you will make my name famous, if you will make me legendary, if you will make me the greatest musician of our age, I will commit to serve you. I will give you every moment of the day. I will even give you my chastity. I commit myself to you, O God. Use me to be a great instrument of fame that people may see your blessing and know my name. And so he sat on that, and he was a good musician. As a matter of fact, he was probably the best in that area. But then comes Mozart, and Mozart is a genius. He's a savant. His talents and abilities are off the chart. And even as a teen, Salieri sees this, and he recognizes his skill and his talent is of such proportions that it's even greater than him. People start talking about Mozart, and he begins to write these elaborate musicals 
and he begins to, to do these great works of art and everyone is talking about Mozart. But Mozart is a snotty-nosed, punk, small-minded child who hasn't even bridled his own passions at this point. But yet he becomes more and more famous, and Salieri sees his music and the music that he's composing, and he weeps at the beauty of it. He comes to his concerts, but inside he's raging with jealousy. God, how could you use someone like this? How is his name spoken so far above mine? And finally, Salieri, in his anger, says, God, from this day forward, I am against you, and I am against your creation because you have chosen this spoiled, bratty-nosed, arrogant, small-minded child as your creation, as your creature to, to spew forth the arts and your beauty. From this day forward, I am against you, and I commit to destroy your creation. Sound like an older brother? Sound like a Cain? Who are you? Let's look at our text today, and as we do that, I want to go ahead and give you the four points right up front. And here are the four points. Number one, this, as we determine whether we are Cain or Abel, what are we doing with our best for God? What is the spirit or attitude of your heart? Number two, the cost of sin. Number three, how do we respond to the spirit of Cain and anger in our life? And number four, the grace of God. So the spirit of our hearts, the cost of sin, how do we respond to the Cain in our life and the grace of God? If you have your Bible, look with me here at Genesis chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. That word Cain means acquired it means created, saying, I have gotten a man, I've created a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel, which means vapor uh, or means breath. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep. So we see Abel is the first shepherd. And then the Bible tells us that Cain is a worker of ground. So we have a farmer and a shepherd. Cain is a farmer. And Abel is a shepherd. They're both noble professions. Uh, they're both the only professions at this point. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock of the fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. Now notice what it says here. And Abel brought forth the firstborn. See that word firstborn right there. There's a principle in Scripture called the first fruits. Matter of fact, it was a requirement when you had your first child, it was committed to the Lord. When you were to have your first animal, first animal, if you were a shepherd or some type of herdsman, that first animal was a commitment to the Lord. It was the, the offering of first fruits, okay? And so both of them would have been uh, expected to give of the offering of their first fruits. And we know for a fact here that Abel does so. Now, there are two different interpretations of this text, and I want to go ahead and share both of them with you. Uh, we don't know exactly which one is correct, so I hope that doesn't disturb you. You could go to another church, and there'd be a, I'm sure there are pastors who could tell you, this is it. He doesn't really know, um, but, and I don't know either. <laughs> Aren't you so glad you're here today? Uh, but I want to give you both sides, because it doesn't change the truth. The truth is there. 
the message to us uh, that Cain has displaced God from the throne. He is seeking to serve himself. The sumum bonum we talked about last week, the most important thing to Cain is himself. He has replaced God with himself. So as we look at the interpretations, here are the two. First of all, some believe that what's going on here is exactly what we started to talk about, that this is supposed to be an offering of the first fruits that God has instructed. We know God has given some kind of instructions either to Adam and Eve or directly to Cain and Abel about offerings that they are to give. Now, in Scripture, there are at least five, there are more than this, but there are at least five different types of offerings. They're, they're the offerings that are kind of, this is kind of what you're supposed to give, this is kind of your required giving. There's the tithe that goes for the priest and the temple. Uh, then there's the tithe that goes for the festivals, the giving that you do for the festivals that they would celebrate and you would participate in. And then every three years, you were to give an amount for the poor that was used strictly for the poor. So those are the Old Testament. Now, the other two, one is called what we call a sin offering, a sin offering, and that was to atone or cover the sins you had committed. On the Day of Atonement, which is not established yet, um, it would, the sin offering would be given on behalf of your family, of your people, uh, as a sacrifice, a lamb or whatever was offered, that blood would cover your sins, okay? It was an atonement offering. And then the other one is a free will offering, kind of a gift of thanksgiving that you didn't have to give. You could simply give out of the goodness of your heart. Now, every offering that we still give today is either out of one of those two, hey, we're kind of doing our part, or um, it's a thanksgiving part. Really, I guess I'd put three different offerings. We sometimes give today because, you know what, we want to do our part. We want to give our tithe, we want to give because we're doing our part. But some give because, you know what, I'm going to give so God will bless me. I'm going to manipulate God with this blessing. I'm going to give to him so he has to give to me. I'm going to do this so he will do this for me. And then there's the gift of grace. Lord, I give to you as an offering of thanksgiving. I'm just giving to you because I'm thankful, because I'm grateful. Matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11 lets us know that this sin offering was an offering of faith. What is that? Are this first fruits? Because it was the picture that when you first receive whatever it is that you're living on, and for us today, the principle is when we first get our paycheck, we give off the top. And this principle was even greater because it was the first thing that you received. It would be like giving your first paycheck of the year or your first paycheck at the job. I'm just going to go ahead and give that to the Lord. That's the picture right there, the first fruit. So whatever the first animal that came, whatever the first lamb, that's what Abel is giving. Cain apparently did not give that. He's giving something extra, maybe something that's not as valuable, maybe something that's grown up that's not the cream of the crop, so to speak, but he's still giving an offering. He's still being religious. He's still giving, okay? So many would say the problem was is he didn't give of his best. He certainly didn't give of the first fruits. He gave of his excess. So his heart, it's an attitude problem. The other uh, interpretation, and as we go, let's just read the rest of that verse. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was angry and his face fell. The other interpretation would be this, that God had instructed them that, you know what, there has to be a sin offering presented to cover your sins. Even at this early point, it was a sin offering. And so 
Abel comes and gives his sin offering, which would have been uh, one of his animals, one of his sheep. But there were plenty of other animals around that Cain could have given. There was still that opportunity. But Cain chooses not to go to the effort. And so he doesn't give a, a sin offering. He doesn't give something covered, even though God has given the instructions. So it's one of those two, probably. All right, that's what's going on. Either way, it's a matter of Cain's heart. It's not his best. He's not followed the instruction of God. It's just perfunctory worship. He's being the elder brother. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Check, I'm done. Moves on. And we see that God says to him, Cain, why are you so angry? Why is your face falling? Why are you really, literally, the Hebrew here, face falling, getting discouraged, depressed? If you do well, if you do what I ask, if you offer on behalf of what I have asked you to do before you come, will you not be accepted? I, even now, I will accept it if you will simply do it. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. So either this is the sin itself, he gives a picture like it's crouching at the door, kind of like an animal that's ready to attack, an animal that's ready to come after him. You know, I grew up, I mentioned in Louisiana, and we had swamps, we had ponds, and there were always snakes. My dad, there's one message that he taught me. Like, if there's anything that I've learned, it's this. When you go outside, look for snakes. We pretty much, if we walk far enough, if we walk toward the swamps, we always saw a snake. You're just going to see one. That's just, that's where they live. And so my dad always said, watch for snakes. Matter of fact, wear good shoes and watch for snakes. I remember getting out of the car as a five, six-year-old boy, get out of the car, immediately look at the ground because we had, our cows would get out and um, they would make messes. And I remember getting out, my cousin was in from town, and I said, uh, that might be a snake. He goes, no, I think that's just cow manure. I said, well, I don't know, let's see. Sure enough, there were other cow manures, but this was a big black snake coiled up right where we were getting out. And we were getting out in our pajamas and our, and our my, my aunt said, how would you see that? I go, my dad taught me I always look for snakes. <laughs> All right, so I'm always looking for snakes. And here's the problem. If you don't look for snakes where I live and you just assume that they're not there, you're going to get bit. You're just going to get bit. I know all of you are thinking, how can I get a vacation home now? Um, but, I mean, where I live, that's what you, you look for. If you pretend like they're not there, it's going to get you. You have to be aware. Sin's crouching at the door. Sin is going to get you. If you have sinned and then you don't deal with it, you don't confess it, you don't repent of it, it crouches and it grows stronger and stronger till it takes you. At first you do sin and then sin begins to do you. That's the picture of what's transcribing here. The other picture would be, you know what? It's the sin offering. Some Hebrew interpreters will interpret it in that manner. There's, there's a sin offering at the door. There's an animal at the door. You can give on behalf of your sins. If you do well, it'll be accepted. It desires you, but you must rule over it. You must take control, and you must make the choice to repent and to give. And Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and they were in the field. And Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So he's angry, and he doesn't deal with it. He doesn't repent of it, and it brews within inside him. And he gets so mad. And I don't know that he intentionally killed him. He probably just wanted to hurt him real bad. He doesn't, nobody's ever been killed up this point. You don't really know how all that works. But he knows he's going to hurt him. And he hurts him bad enough, it kills him. 
And here's where we are. Now let's talk about practically for our lives. None of us want to admit we're a Cain. None of us want to admit we're an elder brother. But let me ask you this. Are there things that you're frustrated about because they hadn't worked out like you thought they should? Are there people that you're angry with and you just can't forgive? That's the spirit of Cain in our lives. So let's talk about practically what we can do. First of all, let's identify how most people deal with anger and frustration and fear. Let's, let's talk about that and start right there. Uh, to begin with, um, usually our approach is this. Maybe like Cain, we're manic. Blind to rage, I get angry, and I say things, and I do things I shouldn't have done that maybe I'll regret later, and I just kind of get manic with it. I think, you know, it's what I feel. I got to say it. Proverbs calls that a fool. A man who blows up in anger and says everything he thinks, that, that's a fool. You go, I'm just being honest. No, you're just being a knucklehead. All right? That's what it is. It's the Cain nature in you. You're just being Cain. I'm being a Cain. That's right. That's exactly what you're being. I'm being an elder brother. That's what you're being. You're not being able. <laughs> that's not who you're. You're not being like Christ. Hey, and by the way, this is a sermon that I'm preaching to myself just for you. Uh, just, you know, like I'm real convicted. Like this is one of my struggles in life, one of my many weaknesses. This is one of them. Uh, and if I told you more, you'd probably go, I don't know why I'm listening to you about this. But nevertheless, <laughs> we get manic. Number two, we, we become mute. Not the same thing. Everything. We just stuff it all in. We forget it happened. Just act like it's no big deal or act like I'm just going to suck it in and be okay. Or we become a martyr. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. Yeah, he did this, and I, you know, this is where it's left me, and I don't, I don't like to talk about it, but, you know, I'm just, just trying to be like Jesus, and so I don't do or say anything. Or we become a manipulator behind the scenes. We start trying to get back, and we try to work it to our advantage and try to make that person look bad or try to make that person pay as we manipulate circumstances around. Those are all the spirit of Cain. Manic, mute, martyr, manipulator. Sound familiar? So what is the, what, what, what do we do then? What is a, a biblical way to deal with this? And uh, I have a lot of scriptures that we could go through. I'm going to read two of them. James 1, 19 through 20. Know this, my brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. So what do I do? What's the biblical approach? First of all, well, I have to confess. I have to confess. And I ask myself a few questions. Why am I so angry? Why is it you're so angry? And it's almost always for one of three reasons. Number one, I'm hurt. Someone or something has done something that's hurt me, that's hurt my feelings, that's shamed me, or just really is disturbing me. So I've been hurt. So it makes me angry. Number two, I'm frustrated. I'm mad because this is not working out like I thought it should. I'm not getting the expected results. This is not where I'm meant to be at this point in my life. Or the third one, I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'm scared if they do this, then this is going to leave me out. I'm going to be out, or I'm not going to have enough, or this is what's going to happen. Now, again, there is, we're not going to talk, there is righteous anger, but righteous anger doesn't have to do with you. It has to do with someone else. You're hurt over what's happened to someone else. 
This is about you. And sometimes we may be hurt over injustice, but how do we dispense and display that anger? So we have to ask this question, what is it that I really want? What do I really want to happen here? What is I'm really seeking? What was what I really wanted and why? And thirdly, to recognize I do have a choice how I'm going to respond. I can respond biblically or I can respond as the spirit of Cain. So, how do I respond in that manner? Well, first of all, when something of that nature happens or I feel those mad rushes coming upon me, stop and pray and go, God, I need you. Right now, I am so angry. You know, I want to rip a new one right now. God, I want to ask you to help me, and I want to quote some scripture. You will keep my mind in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on thee. Lord, let words of kindness be implemented into my mind because I know kind words are like honey, healthy for the soul and healthy for the body. God, I need your words to flow through me. Number three, refocus. Repent, God, I don't want this to become the center of my world, the center of my attention. God, help me. What will honor you most? I want to refocus and repent. Well, we continue on here, and the Bible says, Then the Lord said to Cain, after Cain has killed his son, killed his uh, brother, excuse me, Abel, Where is Abel, your brother? Remember how God did this last week? We looked at uh, Genesis 3 and how God comes, and he asks Adam and Eve questions. And anytime you see God asking questions, it's not because he's ignorant and he doesn't know what's going on. He's not going, hey, I, you seen them anywhere? I haven't seen them anywhere. That's not why God's doing that, okay? If you're a counselor or if you've ever been to a counselor, one of the marks of a good counselor, they're going to ask you a lot of probing questions, questions that make you dig for the answers. So that's what God is doing. God is the loving, wonderful counselor. And so he asks these questions. He's giving the opportunity for Cain to repent. He said, where's your brother? I don't know. This is such an elder brother thing to say. I don't know where he is. Am I responsible for him? You think he's giving God a little attitude? He must be a teenager at this point. I mean, you know, how am I responsible? It's not my deal. It's not my responsibility. And he is so unrepentant. He's avoiding. He's probably buried the body. He's trying to hide. We talked about last week how hiding is one of the hallmarks of sin. We always want to hide it, and that's exactly what's transpiring here. Cain wants to hide it. So what does Cain do? He says, I don't know, God. I have no idea. And the Lord says, what have you done? He asks him another question. What have you done? And the voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground, and now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. It won't be easy. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. And what does Cain say? Just, just, just so you know, just so we understand exactly where he is. This is too much, Lord. We don't see repentance. We don't see remorse. What does he say? My punishment is greater than I can bear. This is more. This is over the top. God, I can't do this. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But then we see the grace of God. The grace of God says this, Then the Lord said to him, Not so, if anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him 
should attack him. He was given the protection of God, not because he earned it, not because he deserved it. Matter of fact, we might even go, that's pretty doggone reckless of God. Now, again, it would be my contention that he didn't, premedit- he didn't do premeditated murder, but he did kill his brother. He got angry. He sought to really hurt him. And whether he had that intention or not, we see this reckless forgiveness of God. We see this spirit of grace and forgiveness of God being given to him. What about you? Who do you identify with? Are you like me? I love revenge movies, and so do most of you. Don't you love good revenge movies? We love it. I mean, we watch these movies, and the, the good guys, the innocent guys get hurt or get killed. And the, we say some hero comes up, and he's going to go out. And, he's, and not only is he going to arrest, we want to see all the bad guys killed because we're canes. <laughs> That's what we want to see. I mean, you think about the movies, okay? Think about, like, I love that movie Taken by Liam Neeson. You know, they take his daughter, and then he goes back, he gets them. He told me he's going to get them, he gets them, and I'm like rooting for him. Don't, don't, you might have missed one. <laughs> Some of you maybe remember, there's an old one, Payback by um, Mel Gibson, same thing. Goes back and gets everybody. Or how about this one? Uh, if you're a country guy or Western, Unforgiven. I mean, the, the title just tells it all. Unforgiven by Clint Eastwood. Guess what he does? And I'm rooting for him the whole time. Go get him. Because I'm Cain. And guess what? You are too. Whether, you know, whether it's Jennifer Garner's new movie or whatever, we love to go see the, the Equalizer. We love to go see those shows. Where they get the bad guys, punish them, and even kill them. Because that's what we want to see. That's the Cain inside of us all. And the problem is, is we're Cain's. We want Cain's to be dealt with fairly and justly and pay for the penalty of their sins, but then all of a sudden, but not me. I'd like some mercy, please. Matter of fact, I'd be like Cain, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I think we all have to come to a place where we recognize there's some Cain in all of us. We confess that. And you think about the gospel. What is the story there? Jesus Christ. He's an able. Matter of fact, the Bible says in chapter 12 of Hebrews that he is an able. He's the ultimate able who came and lived a life of perfection and of honor and of giving. And he lived the life that we should have lived and then he died the death that we should have died. And you know who killed him? The Cain's. They killed him because of his righteousness, because of his purity, because they felt guilty. You see, here's the truth. Cain's hate Abel's. But Abel's never hate Cain's. When somebody's better, when somebody's more pious, when somebody's more pure, we always kind of root for them to fall. We're like, I, you know, I'm so glad. When, when they make a mistake, it makes us happy because we're so depraved. We're so full of the Cain. We're so old, elder brotherish. Do you see that in your heart? Do you see that in your life? There's only one way to deal with it. Confess it. The Bible says when we confess, confess our faults when we confess our sins and ask forgiveness Jesus is Christ is faithful and just to forgive us and it's not that we wonder oh God here I am having to confess this sin again I keep doing it over and over I wonder if he's going to forgive me hey it's already been forgiven that's the grace and the gospel that you've been justified through Christ because the ultimate able he who knew no sin 
became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, His righteousness, Jesus' righteousness has been applied to our life when we commit to Him as Savior, when we transfer our trust from any of our goodness that we could do to what Christ did. When we get over our elder brother self realizing we've not earned it, deserved it, we haven't worked hard enough, we're never going to get there. We have the complete wrong spirit and we humble ourselves and we recognize we're the prodigal and we kneel before Him in complete surrender and say, Jesus, thank you. I ask for your grace and forgiveness and I put my trust in your life. Be my sumum bonum. Be my focal point, my main reason for living. I give you, thank you for your grace. And when God sees us, he sees us forgiven. He's forgiven the Cain. He's forgiven the Abels. He's forgiven the elder brothers. He's forgiven the prodigals for all who truly kneel before him confess him as Lord and receive grace and forgiveness what about you have you done that let's pray Jesus thank you that you're not a Cain you're an Abel who gives of your very best God you gave of your very best of your first fruits in Jesus Christ our Lord that he might come and Lord, bear our sins because we're all Cain's. We've all decided that we're most important. We've all decided we want to live life on our terms. We want to be the king. But Lord, we confess to you, we, we don't know how to rule our lives. And we are at best an inadequate king. We're Cain's. Forgive us. Come into our life and forgive us. Lord, we ask for your grace and apply your perfection to our account so that when God Almighty sees us we are justified because you've paid for our sins we've not earned it or deserved it but you've given it oh how reckless of you God but how much we thank you God I pray for anyone who doesn't know you today that they would come to know you as their real and living savior that they would transfer their trust from anything they believe or anything they're attempting to do to earn their goodness and their grace and their salvation to you oh God that we would be honest enough to say, God, I am a Cain. Forgive me. I put my life in your hands. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.